Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Purple Podcast. Hey everyone, it's Phil Mackey here, and this is a special episode of the Purple Podcast where I sat down with Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar for a live free agency Frenzy Bonanza Watch Along. At least that's what we called it. Uh, this was originally live streamed on Scornorth Twitter, Facebook, and Twitch. And we plan to do another one on Wednesday this week after uh, the, the actual signing period opens up for the Vikings and other teams. Our conversation started like this Nick Foles just signed a four year, $88 million contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars for $50 million guaranteed. So less guaranteed money than Kirk Cousins, less money per year when you spread it out over four years. So we just posed the simple question. If contracts were equal, would you rather have Nick Foles as your quarterback or Kirk Cousins? Just as quarterbacks, there's a really interesting comparison here because Nick Foles does some things that I think relate to winning. One is he's willing to take risks that Kirk Cousins does not often take. Kirk Cousins, I think, needs open receivers in order to pull the trigger, whereas Nick Foles would see Elshon Jeffrey's big body and just know that Elshon Jeffrey would go get it. And he also maybe understands those rules that work against the cornerbacks for being physical and would throw it into traffic and things like that. And that helped him a lot in his Super Bowl run and even last year in the playoffs. The other thing I think is uh, Nick Foles is, is very quick in his mind. That's why the RPOs work for him. Like he's not the greatest five-step drop and fire type of quarterback, but he has such a quick brain of making a decision where it's that snap that I think Cousins is just a tick behind on many of his throws and many of his reads, which is why he works so well with the play action stuff because it's slower developing and he can see the whole field, whereas Foles just has this quick brain. It's like the decisions are right there for him, even though he's not as good of a thrower of the football. So there is some differences here between those two guys that are pretty significant, I think, for why one puts up a, a lot of stats and is a much better deep thrower. I mean, I think that Cousins is much more accurate down the field, but trying to compare them like one versus one is hard because they both have these different strengths that play to the reasons that they're successful. I would probably, if we're talking about winning one game, take Nick Foles. If I'm talking about mm-hmm. over a long period of time, which is going to give me better, more consistent play for four seasons, I'd probably go with Kirk Cousins. So let, let's go back to, let's put this back in last year. And so you're the Vikings and you have what you believe a window to be open for success. And it's going to be short because in this league it is. The thing that, the reason why I'd go back now if I could, you can't, and take Foles if he was on the market is multifold. One is Foles' experience of failure, I think, actually have helped him. Cousins was signed because of the great unknown. Like, he'd been in Washington and put up all those stats, and now if he just took the next step to a new team, it was going to be a success. Well, we saw that that was not necessarily the case. The lack of success that Foles had after he left the Eagles, to me, is intriguing because I think he learned a lot because your options are you either go and learn or you're just done. The other thing, I I would say if you're going to take – collar let's say the top three concerning things about cousins from 2018 i think now in retrospect the most concerning thing about that bears game was not even necessarily cousins play that day but it's the meltdown with adam thielen of all people on the sideline and i think nick Foles from his failures going from what the eagles to the rams i think he learned and i think 
I think he picked up intangibles that in the successful run to the Super Bowl, and then when he replaced Wentz again late last season, that he had learned and galvanized. And if Bridgewater taught us one thing, it's the importance of a team that believes in its quarterback. And I can't sit here and tell you confidently that the Vikings as a whole, as a team, believe in Cousins. And so if we're going to put all of the a guy's play, a guy's arm, a guy's intangibles as a person on the table here, it's why Foles intrigues me, especially when you're asking a guy to step in quickly and be successful because the Cousins thing is, okay, Kirk, go, go do this now. Don't go do it in four years. That's too late. So if you encapsulate all those things, that's where Foles intrigues me a lot. I totally yeah. agree with that, with uh, the intangibles of Nick Foles and how he brought that team together after they lost Carson Wentz, which, I mean, you could have felt like it was over right there, and then he was the guy to step up. And that's too often with Cousins, the criticism, and it's true just by his history, is when you need one guy to step up and take over, and you know, maybe circumstances aren't perfect, and maybe things are going wrong, and maybe your offensive line isn't blocking well that day that you know we saw Foles able to overcome some of those things in big games where we have not seen that so much from Kirk Cousins at really any point during his career has he been able to step up in one of those big games and from that perspective I would totally agree on taking Foles the only thing is judging this as how it plays out going forward will be very difficult because him going down to Jacksonville it wasn't John D. Filippo who won the Super Bowl call in the plays. That was Doug Peterson. It wasn't John D. Filippo who designed the offense either and implemented it with the team. That was Frank Reich. Both of those guys continued to have success. John D. Filippo got fired. And the other thing is they've got a, a head coach who's on the hot seat, Doug Marone, who you know I don't believe in at all. And a team that maybe peaked quickly, but then had to get rid of a bunch of good players just to fit into the cap. I mean, they cut a bunch of people, including Malik Jackson, who's a pretty darn good player. And who are their weapons right now? Who's the guy who you say, oh, yeah, well, at least Nick Foles is going to have blank. Leonard Fournette has not become anything in the NFL other than an above-average running back. Yep. If he's even that, it's probably just average at this point. He was a great prospect, but has not turned into anything special. They don't have any special wide receivers, really, that are making you. They don't have a special tight end. It's going to take a lot of work, and I think that Philly team was really stacked. It had an amazing offensive line. It had three great wide receivers. It had the best tight end in the game, Zach Ertz. Like, there were really good things going on around Nick Foles when he played at that sort of level. So it's going to be very difficult to judge if this deal is actually good for Nick Foles and for the Jaguars or not. If I was them, I probably would not have made it, and I would have traded up to take either Drew Locke or Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm just going to, as news pops up here, I'm just going to throw it out to, to those of you watching and to you guys. The Colts came into the free agency period with $101 million in cap space, yeah, which is how Devin Funches gets a one-year $13 million contract <laughs> yeah. to play football this year with the well, Indianapolis one year, Colts. that's not bad then. Right. I mean, if I you, like you got money to spend and yep. you need a third wide receiver, second? What would he be there? Probably their third wide no, receiver. Number two, I think, behind T.Y. Hilton. Okay. Somewhere in there. I really like the Colts as a team that could go to the Super Bowl from the AFC. I They've got the quarterback for sure. Oh. Andrew Luck. Should I answer Sage Rosenfels's call yes. live? Put him on speaker and tell him he's tell him he's on a live stream right now. I, I don't want to do that. That's risky with Sage. I'll have to call him back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sage should be watching. Yeah, right I'm not now. sure I mean, I'm not sure he would understand what a Twitch live stream was and then uh <laughs> might use well, Twitter language. too, right? Yeah, it's, well, he knows <laughs> what just, he, it's on Twitter it's too. He knows Twitch. Twitter. Okay, well, two, two weeks ago, I'll, I had no clue what Twitch was. I'll call him back after uh, after we're done. But you know, the, the 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 Colts have so much to spend that they could continue to improve like this, and those are the types of moves that you can make. And there are so many teams with this type of cash that I expected the Vikings to kind of be sitting on the sidelines, and this unless they were going to go bold, but. I'm not really surprised that nothing bold has happened yet so far, if it's even going to. I always thought with Zimmer, you were going to have to pry defensive players out of his cold, dead hands. Well, Barr's gone, too. Yeah. So, Barr's so he's gone. already not happy okay. with that. It okay. looks like Barr to the Jets is percolating, if I could use a word from Bob Lee right now, because the Lions already filled a linebacker. And he's there. going to get paid huge bucks there. Uh, yeah. Collar, answer me this. Why is Kyle Rudolph's contract not being restructured or why have we not heard that there was a story in the star tribune today basically saying that he has not been approached about that you know of all, all the contracts that 
that you would either jettison or restructure. Griffin comes to mind. Now, Sandejo is gone. Remmers is gone. Griffin comes to mind. But the Rudolph contract, to me, seems to be ripe for, for not releasing him, but going to him and giving him, I don't know, two more years and getting the cap hit, which I believe is $7 million plus for 2019, down, let's say, $3 million for this season. Well, I, I think that uh, even though a bunch of things came out about whether uh, he was approached about restructuring or not, if I was to guess what the real story is, I would say that the Vikings probably came to him and said, will you redo your contract? And he said, no, that would be my guess. I don't know that that's for sure or not. A lot of things have been said after that. Kyle told the Star Tribune that it was false, the rumors about uh, being restructured, and his agent came out with some sort of statement about how the Vikings haven't approached them. Uh, but I think from Kyle's perspective, he's got more leverage than they do. Like, who are the tight ends on the free agent market that they're going to replace him with if they cut him? Jared Cook, he's the only one, and he's like 32. And he was pretty good for the Raiders last year, but not a whole lot better than Kyle Rudolph was, and he might be just as expensive considering there's no tight ends left. And are you going to draft one? Okay, but there's no guarantee that that guy steps right in is a huge difference. But why wouldn't he help him? But it wouldn't it make sense for him to restructure for two more years, get get two more years, because 2019 is last year of that contract. It yeah. seems to me that, that it would make sense for both sides, and, and the sell shouldn't be that tough to Kyle of, hey, Kyle, if you do this, we can improve our team for 2019. And by the way, you're going to get some guaranteed cash now in a couple of years. But if you're the Vikings, do you want to give any sort of extension to Kyle Rudolph to push that ball down the road even more when he's going to be 30 years old in 2019? Oh, very Yes, because I can give him a little bit, not a ton. I'm not giving anybody yeah. here a ton, but it's just this is the one that surprises me because I didn't expect the Vikings to make a splash, but I thought there were four players who were either in jeopardy of of being let go and or restructured. And he struck me as, as the one because of his ties here who would definitely restructure. I do wonder how happy Kyle Rudolph was last year. If he was happy with the role, if he wants to wait and see if this is going to be where he finishes career, because even though he does have the community ties and all that, we've seen it a million times with players. They know that the team will trade them in a second. So if you have a good contract right now, that's going to pay you, he's going to make in cash $6 million and then next year, $7 million in cash. Well, he may just decide that works for me and I want to stay with this contract. That's how I would guess that it went. He says that they didn't approach him about a restructure. I just find that hard to believe because why wouldn't they? I mean, you're right about him being the perfect guy to do that. I also wonder if he's just going to force their hand like, okay, cut me. If you, if you want to rework this deal, this is the one I signed. This is the one I'm happy with. And his cash that he's getting this year for base salary is jumping up by about a million bucks. And then it'll go up another million after next year. So they might have to do some serious work to get him more than that if they wanted to and lock in long-term. So it's, plausible to me that he just said i i signed this deal this is the one i'm going to stick with and then you know we can maybe approach that next year in the final year of my deal because usually and kyle would be savvy enough to know this they set these contracts up so even the extensions they can move on from you when they want and they did that with everson griffin mm -hmm. remember we had the big press conference oh they've re-signed everson griffin to an extension well right now they could cut him and lose almost nothing they yeah. always set up their deals that way that's why today is it today is like the Candyland version of nfl free agency where you see so and so got a three-year 54 million dollar contract and, and later it comes out with 10 million dollars in guarantees and so it's really a one-year contract or a two-year contract um as we as we sit here, and if you're just joining us, it's Mackie, it's Collar, it's Judd Zolgad. We've got our guy Seth Auger, who's answering uh, any questions. And do, right now, do we have any questions or any topics people are throwing out that we should dive into that are better than what we're doing right now? Just stone cold, <laughs> hardcore football takes. You shout it out or, or throw something at one of us. If well, uh, I can because everyone loves this when someone pats themselves on the back for being really right way back in the draft of 2012 about Tyron Matthew who just signed a 40 something million dollar 42 million dollar 3 year deal. And safeties are getting paid today. They are. And they are. Earl Thomas a, a graphic just flashed up here on uh, NFL Network that he's seeking 14 million dollars a year too. Yeah. So there's man. no way I'm paying him that much now. Uh Earl Thomas. Yeah, 5 years yeah. ago for sure. Yeah. 
but not now. Yeah, that's uh, that's aggressive. So with with what the Vikings have to spend here, have you been keeping track enough of your the list that you've been putting out of what's still available for them after this flurry of uh, now? No one has actually signed anything yet, and they can't until Wednesday. So well, things could fall okay. through, but a lot of names are off the board already, and the Vikings haven't done anything yet today. Let me throw it to you then to ask what position you want to know about because wide what, receiver. I'm very curious. I'm curious about like the Cole Beasleys of the world for third wide okay. receiver. I want a third wide receiver on this team, where if it's third and seven. And they've taken away the two obvious options, and, mm-hmm. and, and a guy flashes wide open eight yards for a first down, that it's not a question of whether it's going to bounce off his chest or not. Like a Cole <laughs> Beasley type, just a reliable, just a, I don't even care about yards after, just catch the ball on third and seven is yeah. what I'm looking for. And do you know where you're supposed to be running at that point? That would help, was, too. Yes. Know, those things both were an issue for uh, Laquan Treadwell. Well, there are a lot of wide receivers who are solid who will be available. And this is why I'm not surprised that the Vikings have not been big players because if they want to sign a receiver, they don't have to pay someone like Devin Funches $13 million. Like let the bigger names go off the board and see what's left. And there are a few guys that I really like, I think would be great fits. The John Brown from Baltimore he is a solid receiver. He's been a deep threat before. He's often worked with some bad quarterbacks. And Lamar Jackson, I think, will get better at throwing the ball. But they weren't like throwing deep bombs to John Brown last year. Uh, but he can, I think, be more of an all-around receiver than he's been in his career. That might be a guy who could sign to a decent deal. I think they need an outside receiver because Thielen and Diggs play inside so often. So someone like Dante Moncrief, who signed a deal and didn't get many good throws from Blake Bortles, a big contract last year. So Blake Bortles probably killed his value, but last year he signed a decent-sized contract. I think it was like $10 million a year. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the bargain bin because he was playing with Blake Bortles. Chris Hogan, Jermaine Curse, Pierre Garçon is a guy that played with Kirk Cousins. He's been injured, but was pretty solid when he did. All of these guys would be upgrades. Another guy is Ryan Grant, who played for uh, Indy last year, but played with Cousins in 2017, was one of his reliable receivers. This is the position, I think, that has the most strength and depth outside of safety, which the Vikings are just not going to spend on. Someone asked me on Twitter, were they in on Tyron Matthew? No, I I don't think so at all. I I think that they're going to go with Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, and probably that's who they have. And if someone gets hurt, it'll be Jaron Curse back there. You've got to save money in some spots. Yeah. And uh, wide receiver is where they could find somebody for like a one-year, $5 million deal or two for 10 for a decent player because there's just so many available. Now, if you ask me about defensive tackle, there's two. And don't ask me about anyone else because there isn't anyone else we're talking about. And Sue. And Sheldon Richardson. Yeah. Linebacker, there's about three. Jamie Collins, Jordan Hicks from Philadelphia. That's about it. I mean, this is the unfortunate part is that some of the positions guard, there's very few guys. Roger Saffold is one of them. Are they clearing room right now by um, releasing guys in hopes of keeping Sheldon? Is that why, as opposed to, because I think the fans all think, oh, they're, they're going to go out and sign this guy or, or that guy. Is this being done because, because of all of the guys they potentially could lose, he's the one I probably try and keep. I don't think that Mike Zimmer is going to change his overall philosophy. I had brought up the potential idea of the Vikings completely flipping on their heads and saying, let's move Wayans, let's move Griffin, let's let go Barr, let's let go Richardson, try to piecemeal those together and have Zimmer do his work and maybe draft a guy on that side but go all in on offense and let's sign a number two tight end, sign a wide receiver, sign the most expensive guard. But it just doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So now you're looking at, yes, they move some of the space to potentially bring back Richardson. It seemed to me like the team and Mike Zimmer loved Sheldon Richardson last year. And I thought he played really well. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He got after the quarterback, create a lot of pressure. So I, I look at that situation like, yes, they want him back and they have probably enough cap space right now to make a deal with him. Just depends on how much he wants and how much he's going to get. He might also wait until Ndamukong Sue signs to see how much he gets and then say, well, okay, that's my price because we're about equal players, which I don't think is quite true, but they are close. So th- the problem with that is, though, if they aren't able to sign Sheldon, oh boy, is it weak. 
Like, you know what they could honestly do is bring back Shamar Stefan and Tom, Tom Johnson, Johnson and do right. that again, right. because there are very few guys who are difference makers on the inside that if they were to spend it somewhere else, that would leave them open to potentially drafting one at 18 because of how weak this class is. See, I think the worry here is that free agency, I mean. the reality we discussed when the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins was, hey, it, it put yourself back in that moment before some of the frustration from this last season that, all right, well. They went out and they signed the best available free agent quarterback. They paid a huge price for it. And at some point, they're also going to have to make some tough decisions on internal players. And now that's been happening. Anthony Barr and potentially Sheldon Richardson, etc. Trey Waynes has been floated out there in trade rumors. And so now you're trying to fight having to erode the rest of your roster in a Super Bowl window in order to make room still for Kirk Cousins next two seasons, but, right? I mean, but don't forget, this was supposed to work immediately, too. Mm-hmm. That's the thing is, now now we're a year in, 8-7-1, and one, no playoffs. This was supposed to, to work with nothing less, I think, in 2018 than a playoff run, and you didn't get there. And so now, now the conversation that we're having this March is very different because it should have been, well, they made it back to the championship game and too bad they didn't get over the hurdle again or something like that. And instead, we're like, this wasn't a playoff team. And now, and now you have to regroup for 19 and say, how do you even get to be in a playoff team? Although to their, I, I was going to say to their credit, I don't know if it's fully to their credit, but it, it, correct me if I'm wrong here, Kyler, but doesn't it seem like the Vikings are trying to improve their chances to get back into Super Bowl contendership, not by adding better personnel, because they might not be able to even break even with personnel, but by adding a better offensive system. But yeah. they're, they're sort of bank. The, the bet that they're placing is Kevin Stefanski and Gary Kubiak together and a different offensive scheme collectively is going to raise the water level more than A, John Filippo and B, any personnel moves we can make with the limited cap, right? And they're going to have to bet on... Elfline getting better, O'Neal getting better, at least Riley Reef not falling off. Because what he gave them last year was average tackle play or a little below, especially when they were going up against anybody who was good. But he also battled injuries last year, too. They're going to have to kind of uh, hope that those things go a little better because unless they get Roger Saffold or this uh, right tackle, Juwan James, or maybe Daryl Williams, unless they get one of those guys, then. You know, I, I think they're not significantly improving the line through free agency, and they can potentially through the draft. But a lot of it is that DeFilippo made life a little harder on the offensive line than it needed. I would also say Kirk Cousins did that as well. How many times did we see him on a third down, patting the ball, not being able to find a place to go, not getting rid of it? He was 17th in the league from snap to release. Yeah. I mean, that that hurts your offensive line. That makes it harder. So what they're going to try to do is probably get the ball out of his hands quicker, run more zone play action, which gets the defensive line moving. They're going to try to help the offensive line. So even if they can't significantly improve the talent outside of maybe a draft pick or bringing back Nick Easton, which is which is an improvement, but not like a massive one. They are really banking on this Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak to be the difference. The problem is when you lose Anthony Barr, if you don't replace him with someone just as good like uh, Jamie Collins or someone like that, and you try to piece that together, and then, you know, maybe if you don't get Sheldon back because someone swoops in and decides they're going to take him, and then, you know, somebody gets hurt or Everson isn't at the same level, and then your defense goes from fourth to 11th, where it's still good because of Mike Zimmer, but it's not perfect. Do we kind of end up with that, well, you were a little more efficient on offense, but you weren't as good on defense, and then you're kind of in the same place. And this is the the tough balance, whereas I thought about if you go all in with pouring money into the offensive line, but also playmakers, draft picks on the offensive side, you kind of protect yourself against that a little bit because a great offense is going to outweigh some of your shortcomings on defense. You know what I mean? Uh, So if you're the 15th best defense, you're not that far away from being one of the better defense in the league. If you're the 15th best offense, you are in a different planet than the Kansas city chiefs were last year. And I think in order to, get deep into the playoffs, you got to be one of those top four or five teams offensively. Yeah, and to become a top four or five team offensively without a top four or five quarterback, it's skill position players, it's blocking, it's scheme, it's all, it's things that you're, you're propping Kirk Cousins up with. And this also goes back to my question for the last few months, which is, is this league just changing? Are, are the Vikings built on a model that might not work? 
and that therefore, because it's become such an offensively driven league, that, that you have to just flip to that side. Uh, Seth, uh, you a couple questions have come in. Do you want to shout us out a couple? Just I didn't give you a microphone because I messed up. So just yell as loud as you can, and we'll. So regarding Kyle Rudolph, uh, somebody says I don't understand why some people want to get rid of him. And follows up with a couple questions. Would you rather have Boyle or Void? And do you really want to open another hole for a few million in cap space? Just to, in case people didn't hear the question, uh, why do some people want to get rid of Kyle Rudolph? And to sum it up, who are the alternatives, basically? Yeah. Well, I think the alternatives are Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson in the draft, uh, or Jared Cook. But Jared Cook is on the older side. I know the Vikings did like him. They brought him in for a visit last year. The visit is dead. You mentioned this. Uh, one Phil of you, brought uh, this the, up. Like the f- people are just signing now. It, it is hilarious. There's no flirtation anymore. No, it's just like they're just it's legal affairs. Right yeah. Well, so I, so the Albert Hainsworth thing. Just quick detour here. What was it? It was. I think it's been ten years now since Albert Hainsworth. Maybe eleven or twelve years. I was in the yeah. Since he Sir signed, Holmes. he signed at twelve oh one for ninety million dollars or something, and you're supposed to have no contact with these guys well, until midnight. Same thing right? with Trent Brown today, by the yeah, way. Yeah, but like, that's that's the point I was remembering. In. So you give these guys a legal tampering period yeah. to say, listen, we know this stuff goes on, but now you can talk with each other and figure out a deal. And nope, it's like immediately five minutes in. Was it $68 million for Brown? But nothing oh, happened until the Fellas, morning. we've got a Vikings move. What do we got? Ooh. I called this, by the way, okay. minutes ago on this very... What are we on? Twitch? We're on Twitch. On this We're very on Twitter. Twitch. We're on Facebook. Well, everywhere. We're nationwide. Vikings are re-signing or bringing back Shamar Stefan. Okay. Okay. Does that mean Sheldon Richardson is gone? I don't it, think so. It does not. Because uh, Stefan was a rotational player that played about 30% Zim's, of snaps. Zim's a TCL right now just pounding the table <laughs> saying, defense, get me more defense. But Zim, what about the offensive line? Yeah. Defense. Um, quickly, on Kyle, I don't want him gone. Restructure. Yeah, it's, big, big difference between he should be jettisoned. Correct. He, was, he is the perfect player to restructure, which means keeping him giving him some guaranteed cash and extending him out by a couple of years. Yeah, and sometimes I think I mean there's probably two different levels of Vikings fans that are watching this or that that pay attention to free agency and and one is diehard fan who knows exactly what the salary cap is and what each player probably makes and maybe goes to overthecap.com or uh, different websites. But for casual fans who just love Kyle Rudolph and he's been a fixture in the community for the last 7 or 8 years, and he's on the radio, and he's on TV, and he's doing charity events, and et cetera. And you're wondering, why is there all this talk? And it literally is, how good is a player compared to how much money they make in a salary cap league? And if you're the Vikings, and Kirk Cousins is one of the three highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL, you have to look at guys like Kyle Rudolph and say, are you worth seven point whatever million dollars relative to the rest of the holes on the roster and is there a way to keep you for less money? Right. And and the fact that Kyle Rudolph, on the record to the Star Tribune, said, I mean, if they want to restructure my contract and give me guaranteed... So, so the Vikings owe Kyle Rudolph zero guaranteed dollars right now. If they were to lock into his salary they'd be for this up, upcoming season, they would then effectively guarantee him between 7 and $8 million. But they could guarantee him, let's say, $9 million over the next two or three years and reduce the cap number from seven point something down to four million dollars, and then go get another player. So to answer the question, it's really it's it's not about Kyle Rudolph as much as it is the context of Kyle Rudolph within the salary cap. There is another part of this though that Kyle Rudolph has been a very solid player that would be hard to replace because there aren't many great tight ends. But when you look at some of the receiving tight ends in the league, when you watch Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey run their routes, and we've all been looking at uh, Gronk for way too long, and he's an all-timer, he's a freak, he's a Hall of Famer, he's a completely different human being that just doesn't exist anywhere else other than in Gronk land. But um, I think that because of his size, Everyone has wanted him to be something that he isn't. They've wanted him to be Gronk. They've wanted him to go down the field. They've wanted him to run after catch. They've wanted him to be a dominant blocker, which no one ever talks about. Gronkowski is a dominant blocker, but man, is he great at it. 
And Rudolph has never been good at it. And so when you only have a guy who's sort of one dimensional as a red zone threat or short over the middle type of eight yard passes, I think there's a lot of value in someone who catches everything that's thrown their way. And so I wouldn't want him replaced. But when you see some of the other sort of unicorn tight ends, then you get a little jealous. And when Dallas Goddard comes out and Greg Kittle comes out, George Kittle comes out, and those guys are making instant impacts as down the field type weapons. Right. That's what you start looking at is, oh, you know, Vernon Davis and uh, Jordan Reed were pretty good with the Vikings or I'm sorry, with the with Washington when Kirk was there. Like maybe that's kind of what he needs on the Vikings. So I understand that there's that like, OK, he's not one of the elite of the elite tight ends, so they should be looking for that. And the funny thing is they keep trying to go back to that well in the fifth or sixth round and it just never really works. Yeah. So if they're going to do it, maybe they do it this year in the draft. But the problem and what makes this so interesting with this team is they've got more needs than they do cap space and draft picks. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm tweeting this out right now that Matthew Collar is the Tony Romo of this live free agency watch along, <laughs> calling moves before they happen. Uh, Shamar spoiling the watch along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the big names. So it was kind of like He's it's t- Tony Romo guys. calling like a run up the middle yes. for three yards or something, the, the equivalent. And but, who yeah. are some of those receivers I threw out there? Like Ryan, Ryan Grant. Ryan, oh yeah, yeah. If they sign Ryan Grant, then the Vikings are on you know, my puppet strings. <laughs> you know, here here's a question to get back to the QB position too. What's going to become the philosophy of this league? Because unless you sign or unless you get a top paid quarterback who's in like that top five, you really see this now going to teams trying to draft a quarterback or develop a young one who they don't have to pay. Because the Vikings now fall into this for the next two years and three total, this sort of weird land of, well, we paid a quarterback a lot and he might be pretty so good. I have a theory on this and he might not be, but you know, but Casey's got Mahomes yeah. signed for what, for how long now, now eventually he will break the bank, but for now it's the best of both worlds. You've got a great quarterback and you can go pay other people. Yeah. So here's, here's a theory on Are you getting at that? They should have someone incubating right now. I'm saying the, it's, I'm saying it seems like the league is going more towards, unless I've got a guy, unless right. I've got Brady or Rogers, I'm going to be bound and determined to find a cheaper, younger quarterback. Sure. And that guy comes of age and develops. But meanwhile, I can go out and sign out here. I can sign everybody else. And, and so here's my theory on where the Vikings are at with cousins. If, if you didn't care about Kirk Cousins or his feelings or his development within this organization, you'd look at him and say, two years left on the deal, definitely not married to him beyond that, would like something cheaper and maybe with a lot more upside. So you would, you would hunt a third-round draft pick quarterback this year. And, and that's probably the prudent move. Go get someone that you can put on the bench for this year. Maybe you get lucky and that guy's ready to take over at a $1 million salary when Kirk Cousins is gone. Best case scenario, now you can fill out the rest of your roster. In reality, Cousins seems like the type of guy that you need to constantly be fluffing, so to speak, if I could use a, that term. That you you need him to be... Fluffing, that was. Yes. Right? Just say that very clearly. You need him to be to feel like he's the guy. You need him... If you were to bring in a third-round draft pick quarterback, yeah. you'd have to constantly remind him, you're the guy, you're the guy. You need, to, you need to surround him with everything you possibly can. A system, offensive line. He's not the type of guy that can operate with less-than-ideal circumstances. If you throw the next quarterback that replaces him on this roster into the mix, on paper, it's a great move. Practically, it's a great move. I think it's, it's the prudent thing to do, but it probably shipwrecks Kirk Cousins' chances to be playing at his top percentile range, if that makes sense. The, the, the imbalance here, we talk about the rookie quarterbacks all the time because you can spend a bunch of money, but there is another way to work around the um, old guy with the big contract, even if he's not as talented as Drew Brees or Tom Brady, but I want to use those guys as examples of guys with big contracts who their teams have found ways to work around in different ways. The New Orleans Saints just hit bombs on draft picks. I mean, not just like ground rule doubles. I mean, Barry Bonds off of Troy Percival out of the stadium with Elvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. And certainly Drew Brees helps them be better. But 
the numbers on these guys, 141 catches for Michael Thomas last year, 84% completion percentage throwing in his direction for Drew Brees. He's on a rookie contract. Kamara's on a rookie contract. Ryan Ram checked their right tackles on a rookie contract. Those are huge home runs on the offensive side that they've been able to hit and not quarterbacks that yeah. allow them to pay the quarterback that much. Now what the new England Patriots have done is they've found savvy help. They've found guys that are not that expensive to just stack around him. So Tom Brady had like seven or eight weapons like uh, James white, not that expensive Cordero Patterson, not that expensive. They trade for Josh Gordon that didn't cost them anything to bring in Josh Gordon. So they've got Gronk, who's their superstar and has paid a bunch of money. But for the for the wide receivers, yep. Chris Hogan was a guy that they got for a very reasonable deal when they took him away from Buffalo on an RFA contract. Like Belichick has found ways to put these savvy players around. But the Patriots Tom Brady. are a different world. No, I understand that. Like, but I can't it's, compare them to it's, teams. But if you're trying to emulate them because you have a big quarterback contract, that's what you have to look at. You either have to say, we're going to hit a home run on running back, which they may have, but we don't see Delvin Cook that often. You you have to hit a home run on a wide receiver. They did not. You have to hit a home run on offensive line. Jury's still out on their two offensive line that they drafted. Right. But Breeze has got to make these people better. Of course he is. But that's I like the, the Saints comparison. Those are the only two ways you can do it. And the savvy route is just not going to happen because they pay digs and Rudolph makes a lot of money and Thielen's got to get an extension. So they're, they're not going to be able to do that unless they find extreme bottom basement type of guys to bring in. But those are the only two ways that you can work around a contract that big. And the Vikings really aren't in either spot. You know, I mean, right now, especially if they don't add people on the offensive side, they're kind of the same place they were just hoping that Gary Kubiak saves them. And if you're just joining us, we're literally watching NFL Network here and NFL Twitter slash Vikings Twitter. And we're just hanging out during this legal tampering period, nerding out about football on Score North Twitter, Score North Twitch and Score North Facebook. That's Judd. That's Matthew Collar. I'm Phil Mackey. You know, the, fir- the first year of the legal tampering when they started that, it was like almost no moves happened on Monday. It's like, oh, we're. It was, vis- it was visits being scheduled. Yeah, right, right. And now it's just like, let's just call it the opening of free agency because it's, it's guys amazing. signing left and right. Yeah. Does does nobody value the 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 meet and greet? Look someone in the eye before <laughs> you you know before you. You know, agree I remember to work a there. story about looking a guy in the eye and signing a big contract in basketball around here that didn't go so well. <laughs> so what, make me a promise. What's transpiring here then? Are, are agents calling up or, or basically threatening teams at the combine and saying, you know? My guy, if if you wait till, you know, if you try and have him come to your facility, you wait till Wednesday, he's gone. I mean, clearly some, clearly something in this game has changed again now. And the only thing I can think of is that is that agents and representatives are somehow forcing deals to get done by making teams afraid I just, that they're going to lose out on guys. I just, I, I just missed the days where Rick Spielman would get a back table at Manny's so and the Judd Zolgads of the world would creep out <laughs> by the bar in the lobby waiting for Rick my, to be done with his three-and-a-half-hour dinner. My finest was, was when they were bringing in... If It wasn't the free agency period. It was when they traded for Jared Allen. Was that 2008? Yes. March of 2008 or yes. so? And I heard he was coming in, so I, I went... I drove to, to the Rasmussen Business College, which was right across from Winter Park with, with my binoculars, <laughs> and sat there spying for like an hour and a half. Peeping I think Judd. they finally came. I think they finally came. I thought, I'm going to get busted, and then the damn Eden Prairie cops are going to come. But it was still fun. This is how but it I missed those Judd days. mugshot. How do you explain this? I missed I'm a those reporter, days. Damn it. Now it's like everything's just like, you better sign my guy. Okay, he signed. Well, and they we dove into this a little bit on Mackie and Judd with Rami today. Cheap plug. You can find that podcast at scorenorth.com. And they, the Vikings, this is one of the rare years where they just don't have, even after cutting a couple players, they just don't have the cap space to be super splashy. Yep. But they are like they are one of the more splashy NFL teams when it comes to free agency. And I, I just started jotting down names earlier of in the last ten or twelve years. All right, need a need a need a starting slash backup running back, Latavius Murray. Let's go get a thousand yard rusher, right? Uh, Riley Reef. Let's go spend a bunch it's of money Wilfs, on left right? tackle. Greg Jennings, you can laugh at some of these in retrospect, yeah. but they spent $10 million, uh, what, I think it was a two-year deal for Greg Jennings. Bernard Berrien at the time was the top free agent wide receiver on the market. We laugh now, but they went and got the top free agent 
they've been splashy most of the time under the Wilfs since about, what, 2005. Oh, and Kirk Cousins, too. For being, sure. Being yeah. the biggest splash. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say about this free agent period is a lot of those that you named didn't work out that great. And if you're upset that they haven't made a lot of moves, I would say that right now the Vikings have a very competitive roster that they should be in a position. If you just right now with the signings, we know did a bunch of simulations of the season. A lot of times they win the NFC North with this roster that they have right here. Mm -hmm. And it's been proven under Mike Zimmer to be a very good roster, a way over 500 roster that has its peaks and valleys, depending a lot on the quarterback play. Usually the defense is sound. It probably will continue to be sound. So if you're upset that they didn't go out and sign a guard who might go belly up in two years, like Mike Remmers or Alex Boone. And again, we're on like our what? 12 or 13 of this so far, maybe not even that of the open period. So plenty could still happen, but a lot of times these teams go out and they spend like crazy and it just doesn't work out like they wanted it to. Absolutely. And so you kind of have to build your roster over a number of years and not try super hard to go crazy and make these fixes. And that's exactly what they've done. So they're in a spot where, yeah, they have to hope a draft pick goes right. They should probably try to get a right tackle if they can, if it's one of those two guys. But they have to be prudent about it because when you're desperate, we've seen them make mistakes. And the Boone thing is a great example. You could have put in anybody in that position and they would have played pretty much just as well as he did. He talked a good game, though. He really You got to admit, did, he talked a great guess, game. Yes. but uh, He looked menacing. Yes, he did. He, I looked, think, he though, looked the part like a TV show. I think like you knew that was over, though, the minute that he told the fans to shut the bleep up after the first game. Yeah, Zim didn't like that one. I don't think anybody liked that the, Vi- the Vikings' biggest free agent investment this year has been made. It was Gary Kubiak. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that that's, is, that's their investment. That is, I that gar- is the bet. That I guarantee making. you, if we could find out what he is making for his job, it's a ton. They're going to pay him a ton. He is their guy because they're. They, they should put coaches under under the salary cap too. They make it really. How it's much, the how one much? area they don't. I've always it's the one. It's the one competitive area where if you'll just spend and you don't care, that you can go get guys. Let me ask this question to you guys, and I, I'm going to start it with a baseball because I I came up with this theory uh, when Theo Epstein when the story came out a few years ago that the Cubs wanted to pay him more, but there was a pact among owners or some sort of under the table agreement that GMs are only supposed to make this much money, $5 million or whatever it was. And Theo Epstein was saying, well, I'm Theo Epstein and I, I am the curse breaker. I deserve more money. And it got me to thinking about the twins at the time were paying Mike Pelfrey eight or $9 million or something absurd. They paid Kevin Correa. Kevin Correa made the same amount of money as Theo Epstein. Who's more influential to a baseball organization Theo bleeping Epstein or a Kevin Correa, why, if you could restructure the way that you pay front office members, wouldn't you pay Theo Epstein like $25 million a year if you know, relative to the rest of your roster? Do you, how valuable do you guys think great coordinators and head coaches are in the NFL? If, if they were under the same pay scale as players, and let's say it was all in the same salary cap, and you're, you're going to devote X percent to your quarterback – would your would your head coach be the second most valuable thing, the the most valuable thing, the fifth? Like, what? How how valuable is Bill Belichick? Yeah, like I, I mean, he would be worth any price. You, he's probably worth just as much as Tom Brady to that organization. How valuable is Mike Zimmer to the defense? Last year, I thought it was one of Mike Zimmer's best jobs that he did, and we won't really talk about it because they finished 8-7-1. and one. To finish with the fourth best defense when you lost Griffin for a long period of time, mm-hmm. you lost Sandejo and had to replace somebody who had never started before really into his spot. Mike Hughes goes down for the season, so you lose your depth there at cornerback. You needed Mackenzie Alexander to step up. Holton Hill. He developed Holton right, Hill. And, and even Linval Joseph missed the game. Anthony Barr missed three games. Eric Hendrick missed his first game since 2015. There were a lot of injuries and things that they ran into, bumps in the road with a tough schedule, and finished fourth. And for that, if you were talking about how much that's worth, it's worth probably a lot. Yeah. Well, and, and it, Zim on the defensive side of, of the ball, go back two years now, Shermer, Pat Shermer was 
when you look at, at offensive coordinators outside of him with Mike and you look at Norv Turner or D Filippo last year, and now if things work with Kubiak like they're supposed to, the value's off the charts. Yep. The value, if this team is right offensively about what they're doing, they are going to, Cousins and the offense are going to be lifted up by Kubiak. So, so the investment in those guys is tremendous. And it is interesting, too, though, that we're now getting to a very, more so, very definite split of you're the head coach who gets up and gives the pep talk on Saturday nights, but in reality, you're the defensive head coach, you're the offensive head coach, now get along and go to it. Because if they don't, as we saw last year, there's real problems there, too. So I think the value for those guys is off the charts now. Um, Le'Veon Bell tweeted out today a little T. I love how players use Twitter now. I mean, Stefan Diggs had a weird cryptic tweet. Was it last night? Sometime yesterday. What was it? It was just like... And Dominic and Sue's been tweeting about coming here. Like, I'm going to oh, go it, hang out in the it, frozen north. His wife is from here. Okay. I so that was hilarious. Busy. Okay, Good thanks. for him, though, for making us all think that... I was like, but, what the hell? But Stefan Diggs tweeted like the wide eyes emoji and something else, and and that was it. Athlete Twitter is impossible. And Le'Veon Bell tweeted out so many options, decisions, decisions, decisions. Yep. Uh, Two-part question. Where do you think Le'Veon Bell winds up, and where would be the most fun, realistic place for him to wind up? I think he, land, I think he lands with the Colts because they, they've got so much cash, it makes sense. Yeah, that would be a, that, Rami's that, been that, saying that, that for a month that's now. That's my answer for both those, by I the way. I think he's Colts. right. No. A- answer two for me, Oakland. Go back <laughs> and, with Antonio Brown. Brown. <laughs> it, it would be great fun. Oakland has the chance to bounce back and be really competitive and good or a complete dumpster fire, but a glorious one. But a glorious one. If Gruden Gruden butts heads with Brown like he did with Keyshawn and then Bell is there and gets involved, that could be either just the greatest dumpster fire of all time Hmm. worth watching on an annual or on a weekly basis, um, or they could be good. So I think the fun answer for me for Bell is Oakland. I think the realistic makes sense, the Colts. It has not come up from any rumors, but I think the Houston Texans, who have almost $70 million of cap space that no one has talked about, would be an amazing place for Le'Veon Bell to play with Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins. They need to improve their offensive line by a lot before they can be a Super Bowl caliber team. But man, would that make them a lot of fun to watch on whatever national TV games they get. Uh, for those of you watching too, you can uh, we'll, we'll post this later on as a podcast. But if you're new to Score North, you can find all of our Viking shows in one easy to find Vikings show feed. It's just Score North Vikings. Whether it's Apple or Spotify or anywhere you find podcasts, you can uh, search in Google or you can go to scorenorth.com, and that's where you get Purple Daily five days a week. You get various Purple podcast highlights and clips. Sage Rosenfels and Matthew Collar. Are uh, are part of this on a regular basis, and Vikings vent line too. When the, when the season fires back up, we might even do some vent line stuff, just intermittently throughout. Like if they were to do something crazy here, which doesn't look like it's going to happen, like we'd yeah. fire up vent line in the off season too. But uh, give us a subscription, and if you could leave us a comment, leave us a review and a comment. Uh, your your favorite random Vikings player from the last twenty years. And uh, we'll be sure to to pop those. We do that on Touch Em All. And it's kind of fun, Mackie and Judd. So, uh, yeah, give us give us a review, give us a comment, and tell us your favorite random Vikings player in the comments, and we'll we'll shout those out on on Purple Daily. So, in our last, we'll, we'll do this for another five minutes or so. Just like closing thoughts on day one of tampering period. Do you guys feel like the Vikings are in a position to get back to Super Bowl flirtation? Like do you like how realistic is it that we're looking at eleven and five division and this team's kind of back where it was two years ago? Can you t- tell me what Kirk Cousins, not statistically, but is going to do? Because that's the key. Yeah, I can to tell me. you exactly what he's going to do statistically. Four thousand. Yeah, I know. No, but but outside <laughs> outside of that, because the defense I think is going to be good. It, it might not be great again, but I think it, it's going to be good as long as Mike is here. I think that defense is going to be solid. The offense, I think, will probably scheme, schematically be better and set more people up to be successful. But until we know, I mean, if, if, if you tell me that in week 14 of next year, Cousins and Thielen are going to be throwing down on the <laughs> sideline again, then the answer is they're not. But the history of Zimmer's teams to seem to bounce back is yep. pretty impressive. Yep. So I would certainly not sit here and say 
no chance. But I do need to know what a guy who's going to, going to count $29 million against your cap, I need to have a better idea of what he's going to do, not stats-wise, but team-wise. Since we have it uh, on video, and I have been accused of being negative about Kirk Cousins, I will say that my on-the-record opinion, even before these free agency in the draft, so right now this could change, is that they will go either 10-6 and 6 or 11-5 and 5 and tie for the division or win the division. I think that they will be a better team. A lot went wrong for them. They missed more field goals than anybody else in the league last year. They got a lot of injuries last year. It was, the, it was a big swing backwards, and they missed by a day. I think they'll be a, a better team. And they will make the playoffs next season, even if they don't make any big moves here. Just some small tweaks and a draft. And one thing about this draft, this may be true about every draft where people get excited. There are 25 players in the draft who are exciting. And sometimes it's like seven. And then you're like, eh, just guys after that. I think there are, especially at positions of need for the Vikings, some serious right-away impact players. A couple on the offensive line, Garrett Bradbury, Dalton uh, Risner are names to watch of guys. They step in next year. Did I think they're Dalton? good. Oh, yes. I said You Dalton. said a man and named I, Dalton? And I know that. Little, I know why you're Roadhouse? excited. Love it. I know why you're excited. But, I finally uh, watched that about two months ago. How great it was, is it? It was amazing, yeah. All but, uh, you know, so, I, I mean, I, I think that they will be better. And they've got a chance to get impact players in a very, very good draft. And if they just add even some positions to fill, like third wide receiver, number two tight end, it's a little bit of help that they can be better if a, if a lot of things go their way. But I think the system change is a big deal. And just luck kind of swinging back in their direction is a big deal. Just, I mean, especially the missed field goals. They've got to get a kicker, right? Like sometime in this organization's kicking, history, they kicking, get a good kicker, they right? They got to hire this kicking coach until Zimmer, yes, you're not getting coach. near the offense or the kicker ever again. The I kicking want, coach will be working with the kicker, Mike. Here's what I want. I want him to get a kicking coach. Then when they win the Super Bowl, he gets his own float. The kicking coach no, does. He get, and gets carried off? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, of course. He like gets, did, did get, and Zimmer's Buddy got carried off. Zimmer's waiting for the Gatorade bath. He's like, come they on, go guys, kicking coach. do it. And they're like, kicking coach. And, they, then, <laughs> and then they run upstairs to Kubiak and pour a bucket on, on him. And then, like, ah, Mike, just walk off the field. Yeah. I like it. I think uh, I think it's playoffs. If you had to ask me right now, gun to the head. I think it's playoffs. I think Kirk Cousins is pretty much the same guy with, like, one extra win in He'll get like the one win in prime time that they need to win the division, and it'll be in October or something. And ultimately, it's going to be up to the defense to make this thing happen, however far they're going to go in, in December, or January, and early February if they're lucky. Um, Play the Chiefs, Super Bowl. Little, little revenge. Mahomes five touchdown passes. 50 years ago, revenge. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, we're going to do this again in a, in a couple nights. I know uh, Rami is going to hang out in a couple nights and Manny, and we're on call. If something happens and it warrants more live streaming, we are on call this week. We're like surgeons. Hold on. I got to look at like, my contract. We're like surgeons in I the I looked at my contract. I'm not sure I'm on call on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's a wrap for, for this free agency frenzy bonanza live stream. Follow us on twitch.tv slash score north on Twitter, where it's like most of you are watching on Twitter. Facebook, we also have an Instagram account that uh, we launched about a month and a half ago, and all of us are on are on uh, social media too. So, all right, thanks for hanging out, you guys. See you. Appreciate it, Seth. Thank you very much. Follow us on LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn, MySpace. <laughs> Twitch. We need a MySpace account. Dogpile. More Twitch. Search, search us. Bye.